welcome back to the Highway to Health podcast. And thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be joined by Dr. Susan Burton, who is the National Grassroots Advocacy Director for the National Association of Community Health Centers. Dr. Burton will be discussing the importance of community health centers and the role that they play in today's health care offerings. Dave Nemo will be your host for this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. And now let's hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with Dr. Susan Burton. Susan, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to have you with us. The National Association of Community Health Centers. Do you guys say the NACHC? We do, but I think the way you said it, America's Health Centers is perfect. We kind of kid around about the alphabet soup around here. There are truckloads of alphabet soup coming down the pike every day now, especially now with all of the new EVs and RVs. So I was just kidding around there. But it's great to have you with us. A lot of folks take advantage of, and I guess that's a good word to use here in terms of their health and where they get health care. And you guys have a great website with a lot of information. We have the link at RadioNemo.com. So it's NACHC.org, but you don't have to remember that. Just go to Radio Nemo, click on the link there where you'll see the little blurb about Susan here on Highway to Health. So let's kind of run through some of the numbers because they're big, and then we can kind of circle around and kind of zero in on a few aspects that you are intrinsically involved with. One in 11 Americans are health center patients. That's a lot of people. That's right. That is. One of the things that I think we forget is that we've got communities all over the country and territories in the district that don't have access to care. My uncle, when I was growing up, is in a small mountain town in North Georgia. I knew that his job was a big deal, that he was a doctor in this community. He was in Clayton, Georgia, because he was the only provider. And he was there for generations of people. I think that there are many folks who don't realize how many communities there are where there just isn't access to care. And without community health centers, there would be a whole lot more people without access to care. So I'm really proud that if somebody has an infected tooth or a hurt back or they're pregnant or they need to get a back school physical so they can play sports, that there's a community health center near them. When you say what you just said, I think a lot of folks, myself included, picture a Western movie where there's one doctor for this entire, you know what I mean? But it's still the same now in a sense as it ever was. That's kind of hard to fathom, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Especially when we think about healthcare being important to everybody. And I think about your listeners. A friend of mine's husband is a truck driver, and I think about his back hurting a lot because of the work he does. If he didn't have access to care, it'd be really, really hard. We believe that everybody should have access to care, and we partnered with Congress to make sure this too. In the early 70s, we had about 300,000 patients, and now we have over 31 million patients. When we think about health centers, it's not just one doctor like my uncle back in the day. It's a comprehensive center that provides dental, primary care, substance use disorders, behavioral health care. Just really what I love about the model, and this is true no matter where you are in the country, is that they have warm handoffs. So everybody is under one roof. If you're talking with someone and you're saying, I'm having a hard time with my diabetes because I just can't eat healthy foods because my tooth is hurting, they're going to see that tooth hurting is a challenge for you eating healthy and getting your diabetes taken care of. And so they're going to hand you off to a dentist and make sure there's an appointment so you get that care at that time. One of the things I love about it is that the community, the community has to be, patients are over 50% 
of the board members who determine what kind of care is going to exist at every health center. So depending on where you are, the care provided is going to be what that community needs, which is also really cool to me. Boy, I'll tell you what, there's a lot there that we could pull things out of, but I just want to zero in on one little aspect of what you just said, the patient involvement in terms of determining what kind of health care this center, not all the centers, but this center will take care of. It's not necessarily patient run, but they certainly have a huge voice and the one voice that is going to be heard above all others. If trucking could be like that, if trucking could have that kind of voice with real drivers who really know what's going on in Washington, telling the regulatory agencies what to do and how to do it, what a wonderful world it would be. So maybe trucking can kind of pick up on your model, Susan. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I really appreciate, Dave, when I was listening to your listeners on your website last night, just a deep appreciation for you and for each other and the community that's there. And I think that that's one of the things about community health centers is that everybody's looking out for one another. There is a way in which we stand together as a nation to say we need to make sure that we have funding because if we don't get funding, our funding runs out September 30th. If we Mm -hmm. don't get that, close to 7 million people could lose access to care and health centers across the country are not okay with that. No matter where you are, you're important and you're valuable to us. Yes, and we'll talk a little bit more about what folks may be able to do about that, at least get their voices heard. I want to kind of do another parallel with trucking, if I will. That was not really a parallel. That was just a wish of mine and pretty much everybody listening out there in those trucks for drivers to have more voice. But 41% of the 31.5 million patients that live out in the country, it's a rural residence in the kind of the area that you grew up with in North Georgia, When I got into trucking radio back in 1972, essentially there's one place where you would get truck drivers and those was farms because those Mm. kids grew up driving tractors, combines, maybe even taking a load of corn or hay to the railhead. They were familiar with heavy equipment from their youth. And then when they got old enough, they kind of wanted to get off the farm and head out on the road. And a lot of them did farming and trucking all at the same time. So the rural base of our listeners right now is probably the vast majority, certainly more than 41%. So you're talking to a lot of folks who live in small towns. So when you say community health centers, I'm in a big city, you're in a big city, you're in Washington, D.C., I'm in New Orleans. We're talking about little towns in the countryside of Louisiana and out in the West Texas and places like that. That's right. That's right. One of the things about them is they're not all going to say community health centers, but they're going to provide the same quality care. And part of this is that there are certain regulations. They're very, very committed to good care and there's good oversight. It's important that they look out for the patients and do it well. I think sometimes people, they'll know about a clinic or someplace and think, well, that's not for me because I don't live in poverty. But health centers are for everybody. I go to one here in Washington, D.C., My daughters do as well. We know, we trust that they're good people. They're people that want to serve the community. They're people that are committed to and understand what's happening in the community and what some of the barriers to health are and want to make sure that they're met. One of the cool stories to me, the first health center that started, the physician would write prescriptions for food, for fresh fruits and vegetables, 
where patients would then take it down to the grocery store and get those fresh fruits and vegetables because the doctor knew that that was one of the reasons they were having health challenges. So if someone lives in a place where it's not easy to get to a grocery store, many health centers have started having fresh markets there. There are lots of health centers and communities where people don't have access to transportation if the transportation is one of the services provided. They really are making sure that people can get the care they need when they need it all over the country. So it's not a cookie cutter kind of network in a sense. Not at all. Not at all. So they're small businesses. They function as a small business. They are raising money and donations. They also get some money from Congress to make sure that they can implement the services needed. One of the really cool things I love about it is that they generate about $85 billion a year. And many of them are the only employer in their community. I was in Eastern North Carolina the other day at a health center, really small in Ahoski, North Carolina. And the Lytton community, I was with patients and board members and staff. And it's a really, really tiny community. But they were there for their community to make sure that people got the care they deserved. And they're beautiful. I mean, when you walk in, Dave, you would be so impressed, right? This is not, we're just going to set up a building and you deal with whatever the conditions are. These are beautiful centers because we believe that. And I say we because I'm very much committed to this. We believe that everybody should feel good and honored and respected when they go see their provider. So these centers are state-of-the-art. The equipment is amazing. They've got trusted relationships in the community to get people what they need. So it really is about saying you matter, your health matters. We need to make sure that you're good and ready to do to live your life to the fullest. One of the old adages that we really adhere to in the radio world, Susan, is timing is everything. We are catching you here on the show right smack dab in the middle of National Health Center Week. So when we come back from a quick break here, tell us why there is a National Health Center Week, and we'll kind of work it from there. And we'll talk about funding, too, and what's cooking in Congress, and is there a way for our listeners to, say, get involved to get their voices heard? about getting more funding into these vital community health centers serving over 30 million patients. Just about half of them in the country, half of them in the city. We'll take a quick break right here. You're listening to the Highway Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. If you would like to stay up to date on what's happening with Radio Nemo, please visit RadioNemo.com. You'll see the latest on the Dave Nemo Show, Dave Nemo Weekends, and the Tim Ridley Show. RadioNemo.com also has a blog section with news and notes from around the trucking industry. That web address is again, RadioNemo.com. Now folks, if you'd like to go further down the highway to health, we'd like to invite you to listen to the Dave Nemo Show on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio Channel 146. The trip down the highway to health on the Dave Nemo Show happens every Tuesday morning from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Now let's get you back to this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Susan Burton is with us, and we're talking about Health Center Week. The web address is healthcenterweek.org, but again, you'll find that at radionemo.com. So tell us a little bit of the history and the whys and wherefores of National Health Center Week and why it's celebrated. Community Health Center started in 1965, and I honestly cannot tell you how many years we've been celebrating Health Center Week. I should know that for a long time. 
Part of the reason is that the people working at health centers are so committed to their communities and doing really important work that we want to celebrate them. Another reason that we have National Health Center Week is that I mentioned earlier that they're not all going to be called community health centers. And so it's a time, partially their names reflect their communities. It's a time for us to stand together as one group of people to say, this is who we are, we're important to our local communities. And without us, there'd be too many people without access to care who deserve that really high quality care. So we have National Health Center Week at the beginning of August because our elected officials are at home. Congress is on recess. They're visiting places in their local communities. So there are almost a thousand health centers hosting events this week. And many members of Congress are going to be there. And it's an opportunity to show off what they do and to remind Congress that we partner with them to make sure that their constituents have access to high-quality, affordable care. Understood. And the time, again, timing is everything. It's this week in August because, as you say, the politicians are back home, and this is the perfect time to get their attention in terms of the funding. I see a headline, the overlooked decline in community health center funding, which is exactly what you don't want to hear, and nobody should want to hear that. Where are we kind of in that flux situation? So thank you for the question. So health center funding comes through Congress every year. And then they're also like the farm bill. There's also multi-year funding as well. So both of the sets of funding expire the end of September. We know that if that happens, like I mentioned earlier, that up to 7 million people could lose access to care. When we say this, it's because health centers, like I said before, are small businesses. So they have to be able to sign a contract with a dental hygienist or they have to be able to sign a contract with a substance use disorder counselor. They've got to be able to sign this contract. And without guaranteed funding, they don't have the ability to do that all the time. Dave, we're talking about small communities, and you just mentioned a lot of truckers coming from farming communities and then wanting to get out on the road. That's true for other people as well. And so it's hard sometimes to keep and retain health professionals in the small community. So it's really important that health centers have the ability and have the funding from Congress and other things like the National Health Service Corps, which repays loans for anybody who's a healthcare provider in a small community. They commit to doing that those years of service and their loans will be repaid. There's lots of incentives for people to serve in small communities. That only happens if Congress passes the funding. So that deadline is September 30th. And that's the end of the fiscal year. That's not a special date for community health centers. That's the overall funding deadline. Well, it's a special date for us because there's two sets of funding. The annual funding, right, which is a little over a billion dollars. And it sounds like a lot. But remember, we're providing care for 30 plus billion patients, generating $85 billion in local economies, can save in the healthcare system about $24 billion. So it's a really, really good investment. So that's the one piece. The other is that we've had funding for three years, which got us through COVID. We were the first ones setting up mobile units to provide vaccinations, to do testing. When people lost their jobs, people could call health centers and ask for guidance. There were counselors and other folks in place to help with that. Losing housing, a lot of health centers are helping people stay connected to housing because we understand that without housing, it's hard to take care of your health, right? So the second set of funding, which is over $4 billion, expires September 30th. We're used to having that multi-year funding, or we have for about 15, 20 years, that multi-year funding because that allows a small business owner to go ahead and contract for a few years out with that doctor or with that nurse practitioner. 
That's really important. Someone once said, why can't they just be like the FBI and go year to year with their funding? And the difference is that the FBI has dedicated office buildings. My father works for the Department of Agriculture, and he works out of the experiment station. So there are buildings where they didn't have to worry about funding them in a year because the government owned them. That's not true of health centers. These are small businesses that need to have access to funding. Understood. The kiss of death for any small business is uncertainty. Certainly in trucking, we can parallel that too. So yeah. Uh, the contracts have to be signed. People have to know they have a job. We could kind of hash through that, but I don't think we really need to. But, you know, you mentioned a billion dollars. And, well, it sounds like a lot. Think of the fact that the Barbie movie has grossed a billion dollars. You know what I mean? Put things in perspective. It's like, wait a minute. What's more important here? 30 million people or the movie? I mean, the movie's great. A lot of people worked on that movie. But they've got jobs. We're throwing these big numbers around now. Trillion is the new billion. Billion is the old million and here we go one of the things too because when people say what kind of medical facilities do you think exist and everybody's going to say well hospital okay you got that emergency clinics you got hospitals you got clinics you got clinics in hospitals community health centers kind of combine all of that together you have critical care but preventive health care we preached that for 30 years here on the highway to health and you're part of that right now so preventive health care is that kind of the first thing that takes the hit when funding kind of slows down and dries up and you can't keep the doors open because we got to cut this i would imagine that preventive healthcare is where the problem is. I think it's going to vary for staff and for health centers and communities. I know that, for example, one state I was talking with yesterday is having a really hard time hiring dental hygienists. Their health centers, they've got lots of openings and they are unable to fill all their positions. They're probably just going to cut those services, which is, again, when we talk about dental, I think about that as preventive too. Some people think about it as extra. I don't because I know that if we can't eat healthy foods, our teeth are killing us then that means other things are going to be impacted as well. So I think that there'll be some services that are cut. I think it's going to vary by community and probably based on what haven't been filled. Susan, as you well know, bad teeth can lead to heart failure, heart disease. You don't necessarily connect those dots, but doctors and dentists, they know those dots are connected. So politicians are home. I would imagine calling your Congress people and your senators would be the way to go here and tell them to continue to fund community health centers. Can you say something as simple as that and get the message across? You absolutely can. You absolutely can. And I think we have more information if folks want it, and they can sign up to be an advocate on the NAC website that you already put on your website. But yes, just telling members of Congress that they need to save and fund community health centers is perfect. Well, I've said it three times. Timing is everything. And Susan, we just ran out of time. Thank you so much for the work you do. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you, Dave, for having me. It's been a pleasure. That closes out this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway to Health podcast through Podwheels powered by Radio Nemo. And let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway to Health podcast through our website. Or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. The Highway to Health Podcast is a production of Podwheels powered by Radio Nemo.